Sorry. Oh, man. I'm so sorry we missed that. That would have been a glorious beginning <laughs> to this podcast. I'm not going to say what it is. Oh, but, God. Oh, hell yeah. That was so fucking funny. I normally don't do that, but it just like <laughs> got me out of nowhere. And I was like, oh. Oh, man. Oh, I don't Jesus. audibly burp often. I'm sorry. Oh, well, you gave it away. Well, what was I going to... I don't want people to think I'm like farting loudly. <laughs> For you, it was it was close. That's yeah. That was a little out of pocket. It was very out of pocket, but you know. Same category. Go I would back say. and listen to it with a Feist. I haven't, but I think I would like it. Yeah, I, I never got super into Feist, but you know, she was around. I liked Broken Social Scene. Yeah. Wait, is she a part of that? Yeah. Oh, I knew that was like a huge Canadians, super yeah. group, but I didn't realize she was part of that. Yeah. Oh, of course, Broken Social Scene rules. Yeah. That's one I need to revisit. Man, I haven't listened Still, to them in a minute. Pretty good. Yeah. Still is good. Mm, yeah. Very good. I bet it is. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now it's classic rock. We're old. How fun. I, I guess, yeah. I think a, a Gen Alpha person, you know, a child, they would think that uh, Dido especially is probably classic rock. I mean, I don't know. Feist maybe, but... No, that's still... I don't know. It's still like a sea lion. Talk about a song that slaps. Sorry to people who don't like it. Hmm. The, the word slaps. Um, yeah. Well, that was just a Reddit yeah. post. You don't have to pay attention yeah, to I don't that. Give a fuck about They're complaining that. about everything Neckbeard over there. motherfuckers. Um... Yeah, no, that one. Ooh, you're driving in the car. You're like, ooh, ooh, I'm clipping. I'm I'm making all these green lights. Ooh, that's a yellow fucking speeding through. Ooh, ooh, move. Man, you know, I you know, I was waiting for my dermatologist today. I always like to oh. uh, leave work like an hour and a half before I really have to. That's so nice for you. How dare you? Just to not be there. And I sit on a park bench outside my dermatologist's office and okay. listen to things. Uh-huh. And today I was listening to music because, you know, sometimes I get self-conscious when I haven't listened to enough music over the course of the week. What am I going to do for the after show? And mm-hmm. if if nothing, you know, presents itself in the course of the conversation, sometimes we get stuck. Oh, yeah. And I and I went into the well of aughts hip hop today. Ooh. Like Lil Wayne, G Unit, even some early Drake stuff. <laughs> the Lil Wayne stuff was the best. Stuff, uh, he's honestly he's very good at that. Yeah, uh, Eminem. You know uh, that was not great. That, that was mostly, hold up. That was the transition out of Dido. Mm-hmm. Was Stan? You know. Okay. I had to put that on for a second, Oof. and you'd be like, I don't know about. I this. don't like this. And then you know, find my way through Apple Music to other things. But yeah, the early aughts hip hop is underrepresented in culture today i don't think so i think it is still listen to the black album well i think a lot of people still listen to that you know that's like a top album of all time it's very hard to you know sing along to dust your shoulders off as a white well you know and that got remixed all to death oh yeah yeah. you know what i mean yeah that's just like that transcended the genre but what i'm talking about like the stuff that has really dated production on it just say the neptunes Oh, yeah, I guess it basically is Pharrell's fault, isn't it? Yeah. But it, it's sort of Pharrell's fault. Bing, bing, bing. A lot of pingy sounds. There's, bing, yes. Bing, 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 bing. There's pingy sounds with that, like, funky bass line. 
But that's a little bit more like the gentler stuff. The gangster rap and stuff is more like people discovered synthesizers and like didn't they use didn't samples them, anymore. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know if it was like maybe because all that all that music was becoming big at the time that they like couldn't initially get the rights to things anymore yeah. or something i don't know but there was an era where all the production was like synthesizers and it sounds terrible oh today well, duh. it just sounds from, like that doesn't sound terrible it's fine music just old it just sounds from the time yeah. yeah it's one of the rare artifacts of the last like of the neoliberal age where you're like oh that's actually specific yeah in the way that like the clothes from seinfeld you're like i know where i am Ooh, speaking of sorry yeah you Okay, so I went to the, we'll get to the Met story, but like I realized, you know, I was in peak Costanza form. Really? I had on uh, my vintage Lacoste from LA, which is like a beige, uh, reversible, like, you know, looks a little members only, but a little bit, you know, schlubbier than that. I had on like baggy pants, as, as one does, wallies, and like another kind of schlubby thing on top. And I was like, I'm giving peak Costanza and I fucking love it. Oh, it was my little like burgundy uh, sweatshirt that has a collar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big Costanza energy. I was like, yes. You know, I wasn't 100% with you until you said the collared sweater. Yeah. That's a very Costanza thing. Oh, with a baseball cap and, oh. But you know what? You're finally cut, uh, catching up to the cutting edge of fashion from four or five years ago now. Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But hey. You know, not everybody can pull it off. I saw someone trying to do like baggy pants and like a bucket hat, like a, a early thirties person doing it. And I was like, you're trying to, it's too many things all at once. You need something a little like timeless. Yeah. They yeah. They were yeah. not doing it. They were doing too much. Hmm. You know, I was sent a, uh, unflattering picture of Julia Fox the other day. Basically. So any picture. Yeah. Any picture from the last year or two, uh-huh. it's going to not look good. And she's doing this like eyebrow thing. That's very popular now where you like overdraw the shit out of it. No, no, no. You bleach them till they're almost invisible oh, right. and then you pluck them till they're really thin. So yeah, we're not bringing like, that. We're not bringing that back. It looks like you have no eyebrows. But here's the thing. The conversation I was having around it. That's a drag queen move. That's not even like uh, I guess it's a Gen Z move. It seems like it's yeah, popular they're, amongst they're the, plucking. the yep. TikTok youths or something. And it's embarrassing for somebody of her age to be doing that. Yes, correct. And the question was, is she unwell or yes. what? And I was like, yes, you know, the Gen Z cringe aesthetics are always a second order effect of mental illness. <laughs> Many saw, such cases. I saw someone, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, but her eyeliner was in the shape of a diamond, like vertically on her eyes. And I was like, girl, I mean, it was outside of a hot topic. So, mm. wow, those are still around. Yeah. They just sell like Funko Pops and t-shirts. Mm, yeah, that's Disney. right. I, we've actually, you've, we've talked about we that was, episode along these That lines. was episode one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But yeah, I was like uh, a little too affected. What are we? We're watching too much YouTube. Like, what are we? That might be Twitch, like mm. Twitch aesthetics. Yeah, but I think part of it is the thing uh, we've discussed many times, which is just that when you're, you know, when you didn't experience the age, you start to have nostalgia for it. So like the late nineties oh. and early two thousands are like what the seventies were for us. It's as simple as, you know. I guess yeah. And then the aesthetics get like kind of perverted and weird. And then older people try to be cool like you and pick them up Excuse too me. late. But I didn't, it wasn't trying to be cool. I just was like, this does look good. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you looked great. Like the, the thing, the reason I wasn't on board with the Costanza analogy initially was that all of your stuff is a little too high end. Like, you know, an equivalent to Costanza today would be like Costco gear. Not the thing that I'm wearing, 
but you like the absolute most generic version of the fancy. I would thing. argue no, because he wears very like that red puffer parka. Yeah, his red his red like hunting jacket thing. Like there is an old That's school true. like East Coast vibe to it. Yeah, you're right. And I was like, you know what? I dig that. So if you just take what I normally wear and just make put a baggy pant on, you're like, I'm Costanza pilled today. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's your new hot rock and bod, but I just I can't picture. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna give Costanza vibes. Well, the off. rule of Costanza is there's three things. You either can be bald, rocking some hard fits, or fat. Or, you know, and and fat. You know, you can only do two out of the three. I see. Because okay. if you're cosplaying, right? No bueno. No one likes that. You got to be. You know, I can do bald and look good. Can't be fat. No, oh, but that you know what? Hot Costanza. That's a good look. That's a smart look. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. going to do the like little page boy tufts around the side like mm-hmm. a fucking moron. I really do think one of these days you should do the prior. I'm never going to do it just because you can. You should. I uh, think mm-hmm. I want to like shave it, shave it. What do you mean? Like no buzzy, just. I thought you've done that before. No, no? you've never done that. Uh-uh. Well, you've shaved it so low that it, it just goes down uh, to like frankly appears that way. Yeah, I know. You know. Thank you, blonde. But you should. Yeah, you should do that. Why not? Just Mister Clean. It, it would look great. Mm. Why are you afraid of that? I don't want to nick myself in my head. You know what? This is the exact same conversation we like initially had about whether or not you should do the buzz. Mm. You know, you had the same reservation. You were like, I don't know if I want to take it that far. It's not time to no, give No, I just up don't want to like bleed on my skull. I don't think you will. Mm. All, safe, all razors now are safety razors. That's not going to happen. I guess. You're, you'd be mostly fine. But you might need somebody to touch up the back for you. I feel like that would be tough to do. No, you just you just do it a million times, sure. Yeah. But isn't it going to irritate your pasty island skin? I know. I'm like, ooh, I don't want to have like ingrowns on my head. Yeah, that would suck. Oof, that would really suck. No. You should get laser hair removal. No, if we're gonna do any, we're gonna you know move some hairs around and fill it in. If we're gonna do that, oh really? You would go the other way? Oh yeah. We've talked about this though. Plugs never look good. You can't do it. I'll get a weave. Oof. <laughs> <God. laughs> just show up bald one day and then just full mane of hair. Ugh. Oh, you just made me think of a specific character from Southern Charm, but you won't get the reference. So it's no, okay. I shall not. Yeah. Um. Anywho, what's up? What's going on in the world? I don't know, man. Someone a speaker of the house yet? Uh, yes, actually. How many times does it take? 13, 14, 15, 15? I think. Mm. Wow. 15. Yeah, I mean, I don't care about that. <laughs> Frankly, I, I do know about it, though. Yeah, I know that it's interesting historically. This this I, guess, I this yeah. I will say is that this hasn't happened I think since before World War II but it might have been even way longer before that like in a hundred years that they had to like go through all these rounds of doing that so that's pretty funny hmm. it's good when that you know I like to I like to watch them battle and get in little they're doing goofs with and each there's other. a lot of people like shitting on you know people wearing the you know Katie Porter wearing all orange and then reading the subtle art of not giving a fuck that has the same yeah that got passed around and a it's lot. like. <sighs> Okay, you all are such tryhards, but you do absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, you know, the spectacle revealing itself... Is really not helping anyone's cause. The reason I'm so disinterested in this is that, you know, some of the news podcasts I listen to, and of course, like the major papers and stuff, they're, of course, just been reporting on it endlessly for like a week. Yeah, And I'm like, who's the audience for this? Is anybody invested in this beyond getting memes out of it? Oh, no. Because I'm fine with like the Katie Porter thing getting passed around and, you know, all the libs being like, yeah... We fucking Ugh. rock. And you're like, no. No, it's th- really sad. It's kind of lame. And yeah, yeah, this is pathetic. But 
you know, from the history end, I'm like, you know what? A more raucous House of Representatives, the way it used to be, maybe people will like take canes on the floor and start battling each other. It'll be a January 6th every day. Well, someone was like, oh, God, America's finally resembling Britain. And I was like, you know what? We could use a little bit of shouting matches. I like it. We 100% could use it. And I will say, I, I, from a political angle, it is a good thing if you're still invested in, you know, democratic politics that uh, there's not strong control of, you know, one party in an entire half of Congress with, you know, having like an iron yeah. grip on it like Pelosi did or Paul Ryan or whatever. Yeah. Like that's, you know, that's a post-World War II phenomenon. It always used to be like this where there would be long, drawn-out battles for who was in charge. And at the end of the day, you get a more like coalition-style government, right. a lot of the UK, which in general functions better. Using the UK right now is not a great not example. Great example. But, um, you know, they, they, you know, part of the move that maybe they made. We'll get chippies. Chippies? Ch- fish and chippies? Yeah. Oh, that'd be nice. Freedom what? chips? I don't want freedom <laughs> chips. No. No, 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 no. Um, no, thank you. Um, you know, I could stand for a chippy on every every six blocks instead of a fucking sweet green or a Starbies, you know? Yeah, that would, that would be nice. I wouldn't instead mind of the that. endless dunkification of the... I just have a feeling that our um, our fast food service sector is so universally disappointing for the most part yeah. that uh, the introduction of like a new style Art- Arthur Treacher's does oh. not enthuse me. Arthur Treacher's. The last oh, Arthur Treacher's on planet Earth is in Ohio. I know. Well, that's it's like in where they started Falls from. somewhere. Really? Yeah, it's like in, in in the west burbs of Cleveland, <sighs> or rather the east burbs of Cleveland. They're hush puppies. What I tell you, there is nothing better. I it's like a Madeline in my brain. If someone could recreate a like shitty fast food hush puppy in that way, I would unlock something in my childhood. I don't know what. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's the beginning of Citizen Kane, and instead of Rosebud, it's like hush puppy. <laughs> title of memoir um yeah it would yeah that would that would do yeah it would get me somewhere um every time i have one now like the only time i ever have one is like once every three years that uh mermaid and i'm like hush puppy well the thing is it gets me close and i'm like specific to arthur treachers though it's just that you like fried dough shut up yes but it they had a specific kind of spice blend because they're all a little different. Okay. No, no, let anyone say you. All hush puppies are the same. They are not. Some of them are just like a little too bengay and they're like, it's a hush puppy. And you're like, no, this is too fluck and fluffy. Like it needs to be dense and there needs to be a little too much dill or something in it. I do know what you mean. It's that sort of tartar sauce adjacent flavor profile. You dip it in the tartar sauce. Well, of course. But yeah, it's got to have a it's little, have a little yeah, yeah. going on. Well, it's just, you know, all the residual tartar sauce that has fallen into the fryer over time adds to the flavor yeah but i know what you mean about the texture that's true they're not created equal in that sense they are a it's very like, specific thing it's like a falafel you know um there's good falafel you know falafel. oh oh in that sense like texturally yes. there's like too fluffy too hard too crumbly yeah, too, that's you right. know I, you know the texture of a good hush puppy to me is almost like a really dense donut oh like a like a like it's incredibly doughy but it's got that um that like pull apart Almost, yes. I don't want to say stringy, that's a negative connotation, but like, yeah, like a layered thing that you could yank apart and it would stretch like Pizza Hut commercials. You kind of, you, you need know? to crack it open, but it has to happen slowly. Yeah. Like the the gluten fibers are like like a mozzarella stick. We can't do food again. This is bad. No, people love the food, apparently, but oh, yeah, well, I, I agree. I can't agree. do it. Let's go back to talking about Kevin McCarthy. No. 
I mean, I was I was only mad. I was like, I'm trying to go on Twitter. I'm trying to see some fun, some funnies and some some hard bods here, you know. And now I got this, you know. Well, what are people talking about on there? Otherwise, the Brazilian January sixth. Oh yeah, that's a big thing. They even had their own Viking guy. I know. It's kind of amazing. Almost in the same kind of paint too. I know. Well, he obviously they obviously just copied the magic thing. Which, you know, America's the best. We we are still the greatest innovators on planet Earth. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <sighs> okay. You know. Yeah, I don't know. The, that sounded kind of crazy, though. I don't know a ton about Brazilian politics, but th- they were it's all, not, yeah. they were all like, camping out in front of, like, military bases. Because, you know, there's a long history of, like, military juntas just, yeah. like, taking over South American countries. Isn't and, Bolsonaro just in Florida? Yeah, and Bolsonaro was, like, the most recent picture I saw of him was eating KFC. Oh, he was at like a Publix or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, he's in Florida for unspecified reasons. But that seems weird. I'm like, you are not an American. Like to avoid extradition. Yeah, but like, why? Why put America in that position? That's what's. I mean, I get why he's doing it, but it's like, why are we allowing ourselves? Here's the thing: you're putting Florida in that position, which honestly, Florida, in the way that New York should secede, Florida should secede as well. You know, all Everybody the says that, all Florida's the extre- all the extremities of America should just be like, we're not doing this. Like Maine, Canada, just be Canada too. It was Canada for a long time. Take it back. We yeah, don't, we don't need it. I'll pay import taxes on fucking LLB, and I don't give a shit. I mean, honestly, I feel like most of the United States could belong to Canada again. It would just be like California, New York, and Florida. I mean, in Texas. Mm. You know, I would send Texas back to Mexico, but they're never going to stand oh, for that. No, they'll no. they'll have the Alamo. Every Forever, day. Yeah. yeah. Um Oh, that was the other news item that's been kind of fucking crazy. The cartel stuff. Oh yeah. Did the guy. you see any yeah. of this? Some Damn, of the, some of that footage is old. I know, but I with I, the tracer shots, those are old. I know I was shooting at the planes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's from the first time that someone was arrested. Well, that's the thing. I, I fucking I you know, I, I remember that because that yeah. was that, that was that El Chapo the first time or was that like one of his associates associates that that they were trying to arrest and he was arrested. They got surrounded by the cartel and they had to let him go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've been warned down there. And I did a little research into this because I'm like, this is pretty it's getting way crazier than it's ever been. Well, I guess the deal is this is my understanding of it. Before, when it was the Sinaloa cartel and El mm-hmm. Chapo, they basically like you know this is the Narcos Mexico season basically covers no, this. Never watched it. They they like um, consolidated all the existing cartels and then like systematically eradicated all the other ones. But okay. Sinaloa ran on a relatively gentle business model as far as a cartel goes. Hmm. Like when they would go into a town and take it over, they wouldn't intimidate and kill people. They would like do charity for them, build infrastructure for them. They oh. really ingratiated themselves to... So then they could just be like, so we run this now. Well, yes. And so that they could infiltrate local law enforcement and it would be easier to pay them off. So over right. time, like all law enforcement on a state and local level was cartel and the only thing left was the Mexican military. Oh. So when El Chapo got taken out and the Sinaloa cartel was vulnerable, new cartels started springing up. Oh. And the only people that were left to battle them are the Mexican military. Hence these like crazy weapons and these massive right. battles that are happening. What's scary about that is that the cartels have been so successful about penetrating law enforcement. The worry is that they're going to penetrate the Mexican military, at which point they will run the country. Yes. Whether they do in name or not, or not, matter, yeah. they will actually have the entire country. Right. Because they practically do already, do, except yeah. for that one layer of government. But once they have that, I mean, you'll have a cartel-run state, which is fucking nuts. 
That's, I mean, at, at that scale. Well, because like you know, Panama was like that at one point. I mean, there's other that's happened before Nicaragua, but like Mexico's big. That's fucking crazy. And the new cartels, it's I think the main one's called New Generation. Oh, they are not nice. They do not do the Sinaloa thing. Their strategy is we go into a town and we kill everyone and burn the thing down, or you know, we rape people and or, you know, Ooh, yeah. set the stage for you better be afraid of us. They're not nice. Mm-hmm. You, so in in this weird way, the Mexican and the American governments and the drug war has inadvertently like kind of made, made the situation worse. way worse. Oh, shocking! No, that's not oh. making the situation worse. Is not shocking. The yeah. way in which that went down, yeah, where you're like you're trying to remove the bag. I mean, Sinaloa cartel is not good. They still cut people up with chainsaws and shit. Yeah, just right. they didn't do it to everyday people. Right, they did it to their rivals. But like now. They accidentally have made a situation where a much worse cartel is, like, fighting the Mexican military and infiltrating it. And the worry is now for the United States. Uh, track this closely because this is going to really get crazy. And if it happens near the election, it'll make things nuts in this country. Mm-hmm. If that violence starts to spill over and, you know, well, already is, Tina in Phoenix is getting chainsawed. I don't think Tina – that won't spill over. It won't spill over. Dude. No, people just run – this is the problem of, like, all these, like – you know, what's his face shipping people away, you know, dropping them off at Kamala's doorstep on Christmas Eve or whatever. Like the amount of fleeing is increasing because of this kind of shenanigans. Yeah, that's probably true. But one of the other facts I learned, this is the real so why, one. Why is CDMX just so like everyone's like, yeah, it's nice. CDMX? Mexico City. Oh, because it probably is really nice. I don't think that the cartels have much control there. I mean, no. other than in slums and, you know, outer oh. ring areas, that's the capital of the country. So. Oh, so they're like, eh, let it's the white people probably come probably us... heavily militarized. They're I like, would... eh, let them have some tourist money. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think that they can get that close to the government, you know. Right. Um, but here's the crazy thing about the spillover into the states that has already happened. One of the reasons, this is insanely shocking to me, one of the reasons for falling crime rates over the last 20 years. Oh, is that they forget to report it? No, is that Sinaloa and other cartels, in order to better control their supply lines into the United States, infiltrated and killed off the vast majority of American black (sighs) and Latino gangs. The reason you don't hear so much about gang violence in any major American city anymore is not because our law enforcement did such a good job of taking them down. No. That's partly true. I mean, the efforts to take down the mafia and things like this. And, right. You know, the crack epidemic didn't hurt, you know. like yeah. But that has really fallen off because cartels control American gangs that still exist and the ones that don't exist, they killed. Oh. <clears throat> There are American Dish cartel wild. members. You oh, know? Right. So, yeah. like, they're already here. And if if they're warring with each other in Mexico, it's only a matter of time until they start warring again here. Yeah, well. So, you know, Tina getting knocked off, you know, while she's on her way to the spa or whatever. Oh, I was going to say, impossible. I mean, you know, you know, we could use a little less Tina in the world. Um Yeah, but I don't know. It's nuts. I, I listened to a whole interview about this because... I just got very curious and you know one of the main questions that everybody especially American like left and liberals think is like well if you just legalize drugs this would all go away no the problem is that doesn't work at all because they're in the avocado trade they trade limes they do a bunch of legal things too yeah so the cartels don't care really like they'll just redirect their efforts to another thing and take it over and if you have you know Mexico's our biggest trading partner 
If our relationship with Mexico like falls apart because they're in cartel hands, or worse yet, we have to like legitimize a, a cartel-run cartel state. state. Yeah, it's not that like anyone would be surprised by American bureaucrats and like corrupt politicians doing that. It's just that, I mean, that's pretty fucking nuts. That's pretty I fucking mean, dangerous and crazy. <laughs> wait, where does the one guy have to be extradited to? Does he have to go to Brazil? One of the cartel guys? What are you no, that about? senator. Who was oh, gay the, the guy that lied, lied about everything? Yeah. yeah, Brazil wants him back. What's that guy's name? Santos. Yes, George that, Santos. It, I don't think it's his real name. He was called to vote twice, and he's like, hmm? Oh, shit, that's Yeah, me. that guy's nuts. He lied about being Jewish. He's Jew-ish. He, that's the most hilarious, like... Wild. Wild. of all time. Very funny that he would just say that. I mean... That's like a 90s thing. <laughs> it's like, I'm Jew-ish. You know, I'm a, you, know, I, you know, I know people. I'm like, what the fuck? Like... Who are you? Like you, you're bad at like doing lies. Yeah, no, you're bad at lies. That How? guy. This is wild speculation, but that guy's like origin of his money makes no sense. He might be lying about his name. Like he uh, seems like an Epstein style person, not in the sense that he was like trafficking anyone, anyone, or doing anything like crazy evil. Just that he seems like an entity that isn't. A real person you right. know what i mean like yeah. a go between between something larger and no one's really like clear why or what's like going don on Don draper yes who are you he's yeah. a don draper for sure and and it, he's just really bad at it yeah and and it, and you know i don't know what that's going to add up to and we'll probably never find out well but like just the amount of things and the variance and the things like i think brazil wants him for like it, somehow evading taxes like he lived there for a while you're like yeah, what? what yeah it makes no sense. And people in Long Island elected him? Yeah. Where in New York is he from? I don't know, but he was one of these like Republicans that, you know, came in on the big red wave in New York. One of the only places in the country that had one. Well, okay. You know. Yeah. So weird. There's still a vote Zeldin. Uh, oh, yeah. I saw a bunch of them when we went to see the Christmas lights. That was Zeldin heaven over there. Oh, yeah. Of yeah. course. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's one on an off-ramp on the LAE that I was like, okay, no one wanted to take that down? No, still there. Okay, great. Um, well, hey, man. Once you know, once the biggest politician uh, of the last fifty years runs with the idea that elections are stolen, I mean, people are just going to stand who they stand for the rest of time. God. It doesn't really matter who's actually Jesus who actually Christ. is elected. You know, makes no diff. But yeah, I don't know. That cartel stuff to me is fucking fascinating. I will be keeping a close eye on that, and not to mention just you know. They have 50 cows down. I, I, I get into it through the weaponry. Angle, okay. And I'm like, that's cool. But then, <laughs> but then you have to stop yourself and say, wait. That's scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. There was one of like, they have like RPGs and grenade launchers. There was a, there was a Mexican politician that was like. Some... Role playing games? <laughs> no. Uh, rocket propelled grenades. Oh. Hmm. Uh, you know, you know, the, you know, the images of like the Taliban shooting down Russian helicopters and stuff. They're famous. Sure. It's a bazooka, essentially. Okay. Anyway, they, there was this very famous incident where a Mexican politician who was, like, fiercely anti-cartel, she was driving around somewhere, and, like, some um, armored vehicle manufacturer made her, like, a custom Hummer or whatever that's supposed to be, like, completely destruction-proof, and the cartel went at it with, like, 50 cals and grenade launchers and, like, all sorts of stuff, and the car was super fucked up, but she did survive. Wow. And got away. 
And now that armored vehicle manufacturer has the fucked up car on display in their lobby as like, look what we can do. Honestly. <laughs> best PR in the whole fucking yeah. world. Isn't that incredible? Best PR. It really is. It truly no, it is. It is. It's like dark. Hi, is a cartel gonna light your ass up? Well, we can make sure you survive. I wanna know who from that company like found out about that story and was like, We gotta get our hands on that car. Get that car get back. Get down to get, Mexico. Get the car back. Get the car back now. They sent an intern into cartel country. And we're I like, Greg, don't come back without that car. <laughs> Please don't send me the cartels, Greg. We told you once. Ooh, speaking of Greg. Yeah. Succession coming back. I saw, when I saw does a trailer. It air? When does it air? I don't know. Some, ooh, a, there's a trailer out yeah. there? I was like, ooh, drama. No, I'm very excited about that. I need a new nice thing to watch. Are we out, Are we at the peak of like watching too much rich people doing bad stuff? Post White Lotus. I was thinking this today because a coworker of mine showed me the trailer for the menu, which I had in fact already seen because we saw it right before Triangle of Sadness. Oh yeah, yeah. It yeah. jogged my memory. You know what it's I'm talking about? It's now streaming, and it was only supposed to ever be in theaters. I'm like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, no. I don't think those kind of movies. I think you can't, you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't make any money. But no. yeah, the Ray Fines vehicle. Yeah. And I thought while I was, you know, everyone's raving about it. It does seem like it's probably a pretty good movie. It has a stacked cast. I don't mind it, but. I I had the exact thought you just expressed. I was like, "All right, enough. Enough with the rich this people." This is too. Sh- yeah. This is too much of this genre all at once. We got to stop this. There was a Substack that was like, "I think we're done with the rich people porn." You know, because it, it's this is TV for PMCs to be like, "Well, I'm not rich enough," but so these people are absurd. But like, ah, isn't it kind of nice to have a nice, comfortable life? But you know. I'm not at least that wealthy, you know? No, that's exactly what it is, because all of these vehicles in this genre are too, like, erudite to appeal to anybody. I think when we talked about White Lotus, I said something along these lines exactly. Because, like, that show seems like a mega super hit, but I bet when you actually look at viewer numbers, they're probably relatively low. This is exactly it's what we were talking It's a hit with, like, about. you know, your coastal overeducated yeah, motherfuckers. It, it yeah, ain't, it ain't the, the thing that's advertised on the bus. Or whatever that, is. that has twenty million viewers. Oh no, 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 this, no, no! It's not a young Sheldon. Two and a half million people probably watched White Lotus. You know, more than that, but uh, maybe I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, but just my point is that that person is absolutely correct. Yeah, and I and I do feel the fatigue of it because it would be one thing if there were other genres that were also quality. Like I would like another action adventure Golden Era show, a la Breaking Bad or something. You know, right. if I had a show with guns in it. You just want to show with guns in it. I do want to show with This is what I'm saying. Is like yeah. There's people like me that want to show with guns in it, well, and I don't have any quality gun shows right now. Well, the fucked up part is that no one's going to make the show about the arms dealers that buy contemporary art, like keeping mm-hmm. up with the Zabludoviches, you know? Yeah, but it's like, you know, Breaking Bad was so good on, and early on this cartel thing, right? Like, you could de- right. this is going on right now. You could definitely make a Sicario-style thing that mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. directly rip off this genre from the 2010s. But, you know, elevated it and did it in a cool new way. No one's working on that. It's just, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired of watching rich people eat nice food on a boat. It's like they're literally all the same thing. Yeah. Triangle of Sadness was at least funny. They're all good. That's the thing is they're good, but it's like, man, I don't know. It'd be like if somebody made Mad Men and then there was three or four more things made that were like lengthy uh, period pieces about the 60s. People tried it. None of them Yeah, nobody likes it usually. Yeah. Um. I mean, did you ever see the movie? It was like a 20, 2008 movie like called Gamora or Camora. Or it was Gamora, and it was about the Camora crime family in Italy. No, but that sounds familiar. It's shot really beautifully. Um, and it's just basically just like, hey, yeah, this is happening and it's everywhere, but like it's really shitty for the people who live it. 
even the people in it, like it's still poverty stricken. Like Mm -hmm. you're still like, you know, doing little hustler jobs and like people are dying around you and it's just like an endless kind of sadness spiral. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the cool thing about really good shows is that they usually, uh, use the the genre premise as just an excuse for like nice sets and stuff even Mad Men was this way but it yeah. has like uh, all sorts of class dynamics with hookers and with Don's background and all this White Lotus season 2 did this too where you get little glimpses of like what it's actually life is actually like outside of this resort community through the lens of a couple of characters right, right. like n- normally good shows have that kind of like or you know media properties have that good kind of expansive right. view of things and it does make it more interesting grounds yeah. it yeah you know um but so many of these are like dark comedies yeah even like dark slapstick it's, it's also weir- it's, it's a weird it's, thing everybody i mean at the end of the day like you know the haughty rich people have to get there so that way an audience is tempered so they're not actually mad that's right, yeah. Because if it ever actually makes them mad, because what should happen in all of this is that no one learns a lesson and everyone just leaves just fine. Well, that's the best part about Succession. I think Succession oh, yeah. is slightly aside from Triangle of Sadness, from The Menu, from White Lotus, in that it's funny in its way, but it is actually a drama and nobody learns their lesson. It's the Seinfeld premise of they're all bad people and they just kind of stay that way. You know? yeah. And Logan Roy keeps like Fucking just winning. absolutely dominating his yeah. children. You know, if the show ends and he doesn't win, it would be a disappointment. Yeah. You know, I think they should right, keep yeah. edging that storyline and eventually he's still he still has to win. It's kind of obvious. Probably like even like the final episode will be him dying and then he'll still like. He'll pull like a Patagonia and be like, I'm giving up away my whole fucking fortune to charity and I leave in my will the, the hidden child you didn't know about who's been hidden in Barbados. You know, it might not be so like goofy 1940s. I could imagine a situation where in... That's my impression of his voice, not, you know. In, in He dies and maybe, you know, it's all leading up to him like reuniting in an emotional sense with all of his children and they end up being really broken up about his death and then like, you know... The epilogue to the story is basically a lawyer comes in the room and reads to them that the company's been dissolved and they're inheriting a lot less than they thought. You know, like yeah. just all of it, it goes disappears to cousin Greg and he fucks, the moron. He fucks them over from beyond the grave. You know, yeah. s- something like that. That's These are all very like, cliche. Yeah. They should do a better job than either of those suggestions. But, but they're it's probably going to be you know be something weird. like yeah. that. You know, this um, is the problem with aging and having like just well yeah just with like gaining more experience it's like part of the reason everything feels like it sucks is just that you've seen everything before well, yeah. you can kind of half guess like every most plot things. point <laughs> yeah well i i did see a, a a tweet that was like hi i'm someone who is reading a lot of treatments and pilot pitches and god you guys are sucking it out like have an imagination and i'm like ooh you know what again this this is a constant problem in art world where we're like no new ideas. Everything's been done, you know, but now it's like in pop culture, it's like, if you can't repackage a thing, it's like, well, people like it and money crunchers are like, well, but people like it. And anyone who's trying to like read a script is like, but God, this is so boring. I, you know, I, I mentioned it a week or two ago, but I've been watching a lot of Tarantino stuff, like behind the scenes stuff and documentaries and interviews with him and stuff. It's always listening to his podcast. He has a podcast. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino has a podcast. Yeah. I had no idea. I will absolutely listen to it. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. It's I, like about movies. That's awesome. He, uh, yeah, he's just. I wouldn't want to listen to him for longer than twenty minutes because he sounds crazy. I like his, uh, He reminds me of Painter's Painting, where he has a crazy, unique voice, 
And I like his high energy vibe. Like he is excited to be doing what he's doing. Yeah. Part of the reason he's likable at all, because he is like a know-it-all and like kind of abrasive in that way. But he's just so enthusiastic that his, 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 him being knowledgeable doesn't come across as like smug in any way because he's right. like a fan, you know. Which I appreciate. he loves the shit that he's fucking. With. And yeah. if he has a podcast that he we're talking about movies, I mean, he loves it and he knows more than probably anybody. Alive. Most people, yeah, you know, like definitely would listen to that. Hmm. Um, I listened to him on Rogan because he was on it like two years ago or three years ago. Oh boy! And I listened to it back then, but I listened to it again because I was just like, you know, like I like your perspective. Hmm. But I bring that up only to say that it's always been this way, man. I, w- I was watching yeah. a behind the scenes like making of Pulp Fiction where they interview all the actors. Yeah, and like they're all at the time complaining about how all the Hollywood script sucks, and the only reason they agreed to work with this director that at the time was only known for one small movie was because they read the script and they were like. That's all not, of them, that's different. Yeah, all of them said it. Not only is it different, they were like, "We read it, and this dialogue is actually sayable. It's like real talking. Yeah, it's not <laughs> like shitty movie dialogue." And they right. were all like, "We're on board just because I can do this. I can actually talk. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and like give it some life that you can't give to corny bullshit." So the problem's not new. It's the same. And, and right. as a matter of fact, I wa- I would like to talk to about your Met experience because I have been doing a different art deep dive that i i have some relevant quotes maybe but oh what i bit well i'll just say it i I've, I've been um reading walter darby bannard's archive of writings oh wow you know who he is oh right? yeah yeah um we love a deep cut but most people don't he's been almost entirely forgotten and i think i can think of three paintings that i know of his and that's it, it just to make it clear he was like a you know what would you call it like a third generation abstract expressionist like a post painterly abstraction formalist greenberg acolyte friend of olitsky not really an acolyte though friend of yes he was mm-hmm. definitely yeah. i have i have some quotes have some that say, that say otherwise oh, okay but you know he was one of these guys he was like a guy painting in the 60s and 70s making like formalist abstract paintings that was very committed to this idea as that idea was losing currency did he also in late in life put like Rock climbing grips on things? Or am I thinking of somebody else? Uh, you know, it's hard to remember because they were all doing weird, bad, dimensional collages in the 90s. Right. Like, Frank Stella is the king of doing weird, oh, bad, dimensional mm-hmm. collages. But, like, well. Larry Poons was doing that. Walter Darby Bannard was probably doing that. Sam Gilliam was doing that. A lot of these guys, that was the eventual route that, like, being committed to materials took you. Was making reliefs essentially yeah so Ooh. maybe you can buy a darby bands for twenty thousand dollars interesting well and at the end of the day he ended up becoming a teacher uh, at some minor place and he wrote a lot but it was mostly to deliver like lectures at conferences and stuff he didn't like publish a lot of this writing yeah most of them are talks or literally grumpy letters to the editor love that which is amazing um but his writings are good and interesting N- not so much in his defense of like formalism or greenberg or like his vibe but his um attitude is incredibly contemporary and some of the writings he has specifically in the 80s 90s and 2000s when he was old and way out of fashion are some of the best ones that i relate to the most because he that's just so good that's a good thing he really has it in for post-modernity and academic jargon and a lot of things that, you know, maybe you or I, I don't know how many other people would complain about today. Huh. These problems started 
Way, way back. Way yeah. back. Yeah. And he really is good at articulating, like, there is such a thing as artistic quality. We basically stopped working on doing that. He's like an East... Well, just for... Just a you know, image in your head for yeah. the people. Imagine, like, akin to light and space West Coast hard edge vibes, but on the East Coast with that level of, like, color school Baltimore bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know... And the scale of Schmedium. Yeah. Not a big not a big painter dude, you know. You know, I and like the quality the quality of his art, I don't really mind his art being forgotten. I like it as like a as like a deep cut for the real fanboys of this type of stuff to like right. you know, people know who he is sort of, but it's not his art that's interesting to me. It's the way that he thought about it is hmm. clearly the best part. And you know, to close that a little bit, like the best thing about him. Um, is that he acknowledges that art is hierarchical and he's like there's good art and bad art and he's very good at laying out uh, what he thinks is bad art he's less successful in laying out what he thinks is good art just because he's yeah. so committed to a project that was dead by the time yeah, he got a, his hands yeah. on it right. um, but I really appreciate that about him he's very articulate about like m- making the experience of art much more important than what you say about it Oh, Even though yeah. he's writing about it, it's an interesting irony that I like. But interesting, um, I can you know if it comes up, if I think of anything, I'll read a quote. But I don't know how that's going to tie into. No, I don't know if it will. Yeah, just on my mind. I mean, again, so just to poorly transition, so I'm going to highly recommend everyone, everyone. You have about two weeks, two and a half weeks, to go to the Met, wander into Greek pottery, and then take a hard right into Cubism. And uh, Trump Loy, Cubism and the Trump Loy tradition, I believe is the title. Don't know, don't care. In my brain, I was like Cubism X Trump Loy, you know, like a sneaker collaboration. Yeah. Um. I I I understand Cubism now. Hmm. Like you know, you kind of like the way you learn about it in school is like you know they're breaking apart like images and shit, man. Like it's a little too stony for me. Like, you know, reading about it in a book, you're like, okay, I see. It's, like, in parts, and you're seeing a lot all at once or whatever. Um, but then when you hang it next to a bunch of really beautiful bangers of uh, Trump Loy from the past, you're like, oh, oh, it's a continuation of the artifice, and it's flatbed picture plane-ing, but in a way before we had scanners. You know, like, it's it's that kind of way of, you know, or before, you know, Steinberg. You know, it becomes that kind of seeing everything all at once, you know, and I'm like, you know, this makes sense when you do it this way. The way that we do it out of like surrealism or whatever, stupid, bad, or do we even, I don't even know how it comes up in the way that it's taught, but it's never taught well, but. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting that I've been reading all this modernist stuff because Darby Banner goes on and on about this, uh, historical trajectory as do you know greenberg and most of the other like committed modernist abstract painters because obviously they were obsessed with cubism that was you know you see this in painters painting too the entire problem of artists working in the 30s 40s and 50s was figuring out how do you get past that like what's what is the breakthrough away from um the like cubist fragmentation into something new Right. And it's in, in my brain, I'm like, what's the big deal? Fucking figure it out, you know? Well, the big deal the big deal was this. Like, I, I think when you think about the Impressionists, right? Like, coming out, the, their big innovation was that you could make a painting more real than a photograph. 
if you want to think about the competition being in representation, being between the fidelity of the invention of photography and then like what is paying for if you have something that can do this better. And they discover through like color theory that you can actually paint light more realistically by showing the paint as material. Right. And you get this higher fidelity image in a different way. Realism changes definition, right? But that has only to do with like color and atmosphere. Drawing gets kind of disappeared in that. Yeah. What the cubists bring back is space. Yeah. Because the impressionists are not really concerned with space. The space is like a byproduct of the light. What I would argue, I'm, wait, I'm not. Hang, let me okay. let me finish real quick because I'm not saying that this is what I think. I'm saying that this is like a commonly understood pathway through history. So by the time you get to cubism, what their innovation was was that okay, a similar thing is happening again where impressionism has gotten like academicized. There's no there's no real place left to go with it. You have the kind of arbitrariness of like surrealists using academic techniques like Dali and Tinge and people like this. Yeah. And then you have the like uh Matisse post impressionist it's all stylization. Yeah. It's not going anywhere in the historical like dialectic. Kind of it's situation. not adding up yeah. to anything. Yeah. So they start to get a little more, more rigorous and logical about it. And the reason a lot of those paintings are black and white and have so much to do with line is to bring back space. Right. So they absorb all the lessons of Impressionism, but say, hey, painting still has space in it. It's just a shallow space, uh, but you can still, like, make this sort of plastic dance of forms within that. Right. And I, But I don't – for me, seeing this is, like, it's never about, like, describing deep space. You know, it's never, like, a volumetric space. Like, what this show kind of did was, like, no, it's always been, you know – razor thin sheet like onion skin layers of space right correct yeah and then like to see like the idea of like you know a trompe wall with like letters and shit you know especially when the framing is done in like a wood panel thing that's kind of akin to what's been painted you're like oh good um you well, know, and, and that emphasis on shallow space is a byproduct of Impressionism because what is one of the lessons of Impressionism that you need to show the paint as material and that you can't really do this like illusionistic, glazy, um, academic style of window space. That's not the kind of right. – they're trying to reintroduce space without introducing the window. Yes. Which is what they end up doing. And it's interesting to pair it with Trump Loy because Trump Loy in a, in a weird provincial backwards way – did a similar thing over time yeah it wasn't a window space it was a surface which yeah. is what you're saying about the yeah. flatbed it thing. was so yeah. it it just becomes very understandable in a more palpable way than any sort of like you know hyperbolic you know 50s kind of catastrophizing of what do we do after this you know where it's like we're dealing with picasso and you're like okay he was kind of good at it brock's pretty good at it. like there's a lot of Wang Gri in it, and I'm like, he's not that good at it. He's really good with, like, material spacing, but I would say, like, in terms of volume description, so bad that you're like, ooh, there's a lot of what you did in the world, and it's very bad. Well, I think one of the reasons that Wang Gri is considered minor relative to, like, Picasso and Brock is that he was stylizing within Cubism a lot. Like, his talent to me was always for that weird kind of acid color and really, like, Curascura. I might be thinking of later Wangri than what you yeah. saw in that show, but his work was always a little more um, 
God, like almost sci-fi. Like someone like Deborah Remington in the seventies is Wangri. No. Charlene von Heil uses Wangri all the time. Yeah, that's later you know? shit. Like in the period, it's very much that like attempt to use the Picasso blue, like the you know the guitar show blue paper thing that must have just been like a paper that was around. Yeah, you know, like that cornflower blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just looks. There's a lot of it, and I I think he's they're trying to like resuscitate an idea of like his importance, and I'm like. Don't buy it. Sorry. These weird little carved wood shits from Picasso. Bangers. Bangers all the way down. No one can compete. So sorry. Well, and I think Picasso and Brock just have the first mover advantage in the space. It's kind yeah. of like you look at like uh, you look at like a Childe Hassam painting, right? To bring it back to Impressionism versus a Monet. You're like, well, okay, the Childe Hassam shows a lot of facility, but it doesn't really invent anything with no. this. They're actually like less information. Yeah, it, 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 you know, they're less descriptive. It's just uh, it's a hanger on to a thing that got invented. It doesn't mean that the work is like universally bad or anything. It's right. just that without um, without the breakthrough, it loses a lot of its oomph. I think. Right. Yeah. Mm. People I mean, don't like hearing that. I think probably because that's like uh, a, a sort of great man theory of history, like inserting itself into. Listen, the, the first thought, but, best thought, and if you got yeah. there first, you fucking won. Yeah, okay, it's true. Um, and greed like doesn't really do. He does interesting material moves, but you're like, okay, but did you do it good? And it's like, kinda. Like all you, all you're left with is like, I you, like you can kind of see like, ooh, that one's good, and then you're like, oh, it's Picasso, okay, great. And then across the way yeah, is like yeah. a similar palleted one. Um, like there's one Picasso that's, it's a collage on a like kind of a back wall, like hidden ish, but parts of it are pinned together with straight pins. Mm. Which is like a wonderful collage move, you know, for the time. You're like, oh, you didn't even bother fucking gluing or state. And you're just like, pin. So there's drawn shadows, actual cast shadows. And you're like, ooh, stuff's happening. And then right. mirrored across is like a really flat, sad little like, I did it right, Gree. And you're like, it's not about being right. Uh, Cubism yeah, yeah, is not yeah. about being right in the same way that Trump Loy is always, there's always a little turn to let you know that it's a painting, right? There's always something a little wrong. Mm-hmm. whether it's like the color temperature of the space is not really matching or like, you know, a fold or a crinkle looking a little too, too, you know, there's always a giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. I always think there's like one giveaway. Well, a static painting can't really represent light. Like, mm. y- you know, especially a painting that relies on rendering. And I don't, by that, I don't mean things that use optical devices like an impressionist painting. What I mean is when, when you're trying to like render a subject, when you're looking around with your eyes, the light's always kind of constantly changing. The the dead giveaway, even about the best Trump Loy painting, is that it doesn't change. The yeah. fact that it is static is what always holds it back. But the interesting thing about like cubism getting paired with that is the, the genuine innovation about bringing this shallow space back into painting was that they made it, they made that uh, experience of your eyes moving around to space and light changing part of the work. Right. No one had ever done that before. As hard as, as hard as that is to imagine, like yeah. people didn't really realize that's that, what those, like, that ha- was part of the game. That's what those like hash lines are like in the angles things of like, oh, it's like a ray of light, a raking ray of light. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. uh, you know, did I understand that before? No. Did it take forever to figure that out just by go- walking in and being like, I'm schlepping up to see this one goddamn show? Well, I mean, give yourself some credit. I'm sure you understood that on some level. I mean, I think I always I always knew that, but it's a different thing to see it in the context of a different kind of work. You like, know what, like, making it, you know, like, because, yeah. you know, I made a lot of yeah, yeah, grad yeah. paintings with shitty, stupid little, like, it's an angle with some black spray paint. Space. Like, you know, frog brain understood, but, like, to articulate and understand, you know, on a 
descri- describable level instead of just like, oh, like a hunch level. To yeah, back yeah, to like yeah. a Whitney Biennial level, like, oh, I had a hunch, but like to see it kind of splayed out in a way that actually makes sense in a traditional way. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the crazy things about thinking about those Cubist paintings is that like Picasso and Brock were probably like actually looking at things while they were painting those paintings. Those paintings are not without reference. I don't think they're really invented. I think that they were looking at they're things still and yeah. using cues from them to paint with. The the thing I think that was hard to achieve later that was a really big deal about abstract expressionism was that like finally you didn't need to look at anything to do anything yeah. like that. Yeah. The one thing that's really great about the show is that it's like they're literally like things on a wall. It's theme one, things on a table, theme two, and then Paragon. Oh, is... folks, we love a logical organization to an art show oh, baby. with clear themes that are discernible without reading anything. Oh, I had you're to... making me like cream my. Jeans I was going to say here. I had to run out of there because I came through. That times, is so you know? rare anymore. It was like they were like, "This is a thing. This is the area about." comparing stuff it's was almost like, like the people oh, that curated it had an idea oh, they had and an a idea. thesis and a plan oh my god it was wild i was like at the met of all places really? but yeah. you know what it was a bunch of white men so it's clearly not a very good show i'll tell you that <laughs> the lady made the wallpaper nice chalk one up for the chicks huh listen that wallpaper is <laughs> sick as fuck so yeah. i don't i don't want to hear that anyway um but yeah, it also has my favorite, one of my favorite uh, Trumpoy paintings. It's a Dutch still life with a blue curtain painted in front of oh, it. Yeah. Oh, All time fave. Nothing better. In Chicago, visiting for for a spell. Well, it's interesting to me, right? That like the history of Trumpoy painting is really, really long. Like probably almost as old as painting itself. You know, I'm not saying in Lascaux they were doing like specific renderings of things on surfaces but it goes back a long way i mean there's there's roman and greek examples of this oh yeah like but it was always considered not art exactly like it was always like a little jokey joke it's hard to make analogies to our contemporary experience but i would almost describe it as like as low of a genre as something like kitsch it was like oh that's a nice parlor trick but you can't do anything theoretical with that so it's not very artful. Yeah, like Pet- you know, your boy Petto is just like an afterthought in American history of pa- American painting history. Totally, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it's like not now. Now it's like oh, oh, okay. This is why I think like you know how when we went to the Met post Europe to be like sad. There was that like wall of American, uh, the uh, Trumpoy. Yeah, I think that it was in setup for this show. Because there's only two, like one American in the entire thing, maybe two, um, and there's Spanish Trumpoy hmm. paintings, which are tabletops, like top down, like camera view, table. Right. Really wild to kind of yeah. Like, you showed me of one ta- of these. That's crazy. Insane. There's like three of them, and I was like, holy shit. Um, you know, I but the idea that something clear, something very clearly laid out, can illuminate someone like myself who thinks that they know this shit already yeah was like a revelation because i was in a bad mood like tromping through because where the fuck is this and like you know it's the last weekend of the tutor show so every dick bag and their mom is literally there going like oh where's the stuff um i'm like move i'm trying to get to stuff and you know oceania oceania being closed hard to get circle back around you're like if i take these stairs one more my long-standing hatred of british art was only emboldened by that tutor show I walked yeah. through there out of obligation the last time I was there, and I was like, 
British art sucks. I don't this none of this is good. Middle aged British art? I don't yeah, give a fuck. It's it, you know. And I thought I'd be like, oh, cool suits of armor. I was like, Ugh. Ugh. tapestry bullshit. Get it's out also of here. Stuffy. It's stuffy and it's always lit badly and it's always like the exhibition design is always like dark stone floors, gray walls, like it's in a castle. <laughs> and you're like, what if it wasn't? What if it was bright in here so I could actually see anything? Thank you. Um also shout out to the, this show's exhibition design because the wall labels have like Trump Loy like fake relief like you know pop out labels but it's all flat on the wall like it's all flat vinyl but they do a lot of like tricky little things I'm like you know you guys you guys there's like one corner where it's like a faux peel back yeah they did some I was like you know somebody thought a lot about this show and it's only up for about f- three months yeah that's short for a museum show but it's so good. Time short, like yeah. October twentieth through January twenty second. Short show. Ah, yeah, yeah. By museum standards, by yes. museum standards, sort of. That's something that would be up for like. It's probably because a lot of works in it works in it were traveled. That's usually what happens, and that's yeah. why it's in that smaller gallery and stuff. Yeah, they'll they'll leave the bigger showstoppers up longer. Yeah, you know, and it's also like because you know what because it was a clearly a passion project for somebody. I, I don't know anything about who put it together, but maybe it was a newer curator that they're like, fine, you can try your little thing over here. No one's going to give a shit. And then they do the best show the, that the Mets done in a year. Right. You know, from the perspective of people that like art, but they're right. going to like, look at, you know, how many did the guard click the button enough times? Right. And they're going to say no. no. And that person's not going to get any work get for shuffled a while. Back to, yeah. and they'll get shoved in like the tiny gallery in the back of Japan or whatever. The next time they have an idea. <laughs> Komodo land. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, that's unfortunate. Like, it's the kind of thing where you're like, you know, I do like the idea of like small idea museum show. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's like, you can have the depth and the breadth of like, we're the Met, we can get whatever the fuck we want. Um, like, do that more, please. Like, I just like having like a very like deep dive experience in a very niche thing. And it's not a crowd pleaser because you know, the old ladies, it's all the old biddies walking around going like, we own one of those. Like not, you know, sure, yeah, or they're yeah. like, I never liked the grease. No, and the- I'm like, bitch, same, same and even harder right now. Like, you know, <laughs> it's, those are usually the best shows at the Met when you go there with the old people during the day and they're the real Met acolytes that they dutifully buy their membership every year. And they go there with their husband and they're like, you didn't buy enough pears this morning. <laughs> and and then they're like, oh, but I love the browns in this Picasso. And uh-huh. like, this means it's a good show. Actually. It's a good show. <laughs> yeah. That, that's unfortunately exactly right. Yeah. And that's who it was in there. And they were all looking hard. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, ma'am, you need to, don't you have lunch at Zabar's? Like, what are you doing? You're <laughs> in my fucking way. And I'm like, no, no, you are. You're looking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And they like had thoughts and they were not shy about it. Um speaking it into the ether around them i was like fuck yeah i mean in these darby bannard essays written in the 80s primarily he goes he goes on and on about like basically like hey art is actually like a really narrow thing it's actually like there's not that much involved with it like the material he's basically talking about painting he says art but he means painting well and he's saying like look the materials have been like pretty prescribed for a long time there's only so much you can do with them. The beautiful thing about it is that within that narrowness, there's an infinity. But when you're trying to organize your ideas around art, whether you're an individual artist in the studio or whether you're a curator putting together a show, like you're dealing with a pretty narrow thing. Right. No matter what. No matter what your subject matter is, no matter what your like focus is, it should be not that big of a picture. 
one of the problems he has, he calls it pluralism usually oh. or postmodernity, which are dated yeah. terms, yeah. but yeah. we all get this because we've been living in it. He's like, one of the big problems here is if if you're just going to keep saying it's subjective and that anything right. is permissible as a result, what are we really talking about here? We're not talking about anything. And when, the real, and when the real you're core. walking through show after show of, uh, you know, graffiti art meets Tudor England just so that people can ride the water slide of Instagram art. Like, Don't talk about the Brooklyn Museum like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're, what you're dealing with is just an attitude that is easy and consumable so that it can make money. It do, That's and it, it. It doesn't spark more interest, right? No. Which we've talked about before. Of like, yeah. you know, like a weird neat show can, you know, really get you know get someone on a spiral towards like oh you can do that but when it's like oh you can do the thing that i already know is around in culture and isn't this like an overpriced version of seeing it all together isn't this like going to louis vuitton yeah just go to louis you don't need to fucking like take up the air in a rarefied right you know unfortunately rarefied space but like if we're not doing something with the space to actually like pose a question or pose a you know a hypothesis right I don't want to see just like a storefront of like, yeah, these are the goods from, you know, this is Tudor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a storefront. The best example of going to a Tudor thing is going to Liberty in an old Tudor mansion. Yeah, yeah. And seeing like a Loewe bag and you're going, you know what? Honestly, this makes sense. Right. The, The history of the decadent is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, going to the actual place is what makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Seeing a bunch of vitrines full of it is not, you know, not the it, same that ain't experience. it. No, yeah, you know, and you know, I don't know enough about that period of art or like the history of it to know if they did a good job with that show or not. All I can tell you is that it didn't strike me as interesting. Oh, Tudor, no, and I and I haven't seen, you know, and I haven't seen the uh, Cubism and Trump Loy show, but like based on your enthusiasm, I can already tell that I would like it. And like a like a word of mouth, the best painting from the Tudor show is at the Frick all the time. Yeah, right. Who fucking cares? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, you, you said you said before, like, it's unfortunately it's like elitist or like, uh, you know, a what did you say well, exactly? Like a rarefied, rarefied space. I would say not. Unfortunately, that's what it's supposed to be, because great art is hard to make yeah. and, and great shows are hard to do. Like there should be a lot of focus on rarity and difficulty and exclusivity. We're not exclusivity. You know. Just like, hey, this is a this is a specific thread. Like, you know, it's the specific. You know, this is a Juddian kind of idea of like, what is the specific thing that makes this you know worthwhile to look at? Right. That's not just banality. Yeah. Whether that's like banal because of its uselessness, or banality because it's an image that doesn't actually draw anything out about the world. Right. Um, and you know, part of what the uh, cubism show is like you know there were things that were banal even in that kind of time of experimentation like you know not every hypothesis is gonna fucking work agree you know like not right. everybody's gonna fucking nail it which is great to see too because you're just like even within this it's not a hundred it's not the accuracy is not 99.99 it's around 86 well you can call something minor art or lesser art and still think it should be in a museum oh right. i think that yeah. get, i think that gets lost in the mix like wong Gri is the third best cubist so what yeah. that's still pretty that's still pretty rarefied air but we don't put the 47th best cubist in the show no and there's a bunch of them you know what i'm saying yeah. and there was a lot of them so like it's it's still of quality yeah. But you can all, in the same breath, you can admit that Picasso was an order of magnitude better, yeah. which in that rarefied air 
is so unfathomably difficult and to get there first that you got to give it up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and so when I say something like exclusivity, that's actually what that word means. But one of the unfortunate like side effects of the, the discourse being all about subjectivity is that it, it inherently becomes political. And when you say exclusivity, what people hear is, excluded. Oh, you yeah. don't want a certain audience to see it. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's been one of the positive knock-on effects of like the societal shifts of the last 50 years. Like in terms of art, I'm glad the modernists lost that battle. Right. Um what I I'm not glad that the battle for uh high taste got lost also though. Well, that sucks. I mean, yeah. You know, the, like you should you should be able to make judgments about what a thing specifically is and whether it measures up to another specific thing. Right. That's fine. Well, it's really... It's better than fine. It's necessary. It's just a matter of, like, is it worth regarding? You know, and that's what, you know... Well, and you have to come up with a criteria for for regard. And I think, like, what you and I are kind of deficient in when we have these conversations on the podcast is, like, we're not always careful about defining that. No, no. I I don't I don't know if I can. I'm not a fucking writer or a theorist or whatever. I make the stuff. So I I prefer the old school term of, like, I have an eye. I just know. I have the Clarence Thomas thing. I know what I want to see. Yeah, that's it. how you know. I feel, too. But that's because we're, we're, we're artists. Was it such a good idea for Monet to paint those haystacks? Literally think about that all the fucking time. Well. We're dumb. But it's fine. <laughs> but, like, you know, the, the smart academics that end up framing everything don't have eyes. And it's very clear. Well, Safe for whoever did this one. Yeah, and and like I said, though, I would I would like to know because I would follow their career. You know? I like wanted to buy the cow. I still might. The essay's non-existent, very short, and I said, okay, thank God. And it's literally just a bunch of pictures, and I was like, oh, this is because it's literally written or the way it's laid out is for you to look, which is also maybe why I'm like high on the supply. Well, and that's a smart and bold move on the part of a curator because if their show even their mind can stand up without their ego justification for why it should exist. Like just look at one page is a John Nepeto and one page is Picasso and you can see there's four, what I'm going for here, four right? Four text panels throughout the whole thing. That's great. And then every label is just the information mm-hmm. who made it, what it's made out of, where it came from. And I was like, oh, Ooh, baby. And it's not like, you know, it's not like going to the fucking Whitney going to see hopper and then every label is also in spanish and you're like listen who's that for yeah i know who's it for let's be honest here who's it for the cleaning people are trying to leave on time they're not reading the label (sighs) that's rude um but like it's not like it's not a racism it's just a matter of like listen like it's american painting just whatever just put it in anguish you know if it's a, a spanish painter sure yeah great French painter, put it in French. Yeah. If you want to do that and appease the tourisms. Well, I think of my paintings as American because I'm not a Czechoslovak. And I didn't paint them in Czechoslovakia or Hungary or India. You know. Yeah, You're Bar- here. Yeah, Barney style. Yeah, go full Barney. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, That's why you give the people the fucking like, QR code and they can listen to their fucking walk around in whatever language they want. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The Met also does this. They're like, we're not doing that anymore. Just scan this. Get the fuck out of here. Listen to the podcast. We're not. Yeah. We're not, we're not printing this three times. Yeah, Suck no, every dick. Well, it's just, I don't know. It's just a good sign of a show that can stand on its own and work that can stand on its own where it's like, what artist is this? What's the medium? Maybe what size is it? I don't know. What collection did it come from? Thank you. Yeah. That, thank you. That's all I needed to know. Didn't need anything else. Yeah. So 
you know. Sounds like a good show. I'm really excited uh, for next week's pod as a little teaser on the outro. Oh. Because uh, there's a Jules Olitsky retrospective at a gallery, uh, Schlock Gallery on Fifth Avenue, but it's 100 paintings. And I looked at the images of it and I was like, where? This is the most comprehensive Jules Olitsky retrospective I think that's ever existed. What gallery? A place called Yaris Art. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But it's a big, beautiful space, and there's 100 Jules Olitsky paintings in there from 1942 until the end of his life. Oh, and I was we like, have to go to the Upper East Side on this Saturday is anyway. I'm going to it. Me and Rhea are already going, so if you want to go, let's yeah. go. We're going to go. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to take, take a gander at that. Oh, that's going to be what? That's going to be rough. It's going to be a lot of bad work. It's going to be Make so no much mistake, bad but, shit. But hey, Ooh. I mean, I'm not going to get that any other way. The Mets never going to do that, so. Mm, yeah. You know, I'll take my right. chances. You can probably, you, there will probably be a price list with printed prices. Yeah, and that's perhaps we true. We have to request one. This gallery was founded in Santa Fe, New Mexico, so. Ooh, baby. You better believe it. Ooh, you can buy one of those with a pair of cowboy boots <laughs> and a good old hat. <laughs> anyway. All right. I think we're we're done. After show. Bye.